Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Welcome, my friend, and thank you for joining us today for another episode of Hope Along the Journey. I'm Mark Cravens, the podcast host, and it is always a joy to have you, our listeners, on board for the next 25 to 30 minutes. We certainly appreciate all of you who regularly listen, or for those of you who this is your first time to hear Hope Along the Journey. We are so grateful for the audience that God has given us, for the listenership that continues to keep growing. We'd love to hear from you. Some of you have been reaching out to me, and I deeply appreciate that. But I just want to remind you that you can email me at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Again, that's hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear what you think about the podcast or the broadcast, whichever it is that you're listening to, you can also feel free to hook up with our website. We'd love to have you at the hopealongthejourney.org website. And when you get there, there will be a stay in touch banner or sign that will pop up that will let you put in your email address where you can stay in touch with us and receive our monthly newsletter. We now have well over 200 people who have joined the newsletter family, and it's continuing to grow every month, but we'd love to have you as part of that. That way you'll know what's going on, what's been happening, and you'll get some insider information that we don't always share on this on our episodes of Hope Along the Journey. And so we just like to have you as part of that team. Also, if you would, if you're listening, especially on Apple Podcasts, would you would you do me a favor? Would you leave just a little feedback? Or if you feel like it, give us a good five-star rating. That really helps us in a number of ways, and we would really appreciate that so very, very much. So today, rather than having a guest I wanted to share with you something from my heart. I don't often do this, just I do this maybe once every couple of months or every three months. I just feel like there's something on my heart that I want to say to my Hope Along the Journey friends. And today is one of those days when I want to share something with you. I recently was privileged to be out in Idaho and to share with Grace Bible Church staff a devotional. In that devotional, I spoke to them about the story of the Good Samaritan, and and I really focused that morning as we were all gathered together in that room about the fact of what we see when we look at others. In that story of the Good Samaritan, we we read these words where it says that that there was a certain you know there was a certain a priest that went by and when he saw him he just kept right on walking and then the levite comes by and when he saw him he went over and looked at him and I guess he was kind of curious to see what was going on and then after he was satisfied with what he had seen 
then he too moved on. And then comes the Samaritan, the most unlikely of all people to have had compassion. But when he saw him, Jesus said when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and he went to where he was. And that began the epic turn of events for the life of this unknown stranger who had fallen among thieves, had been stripped naked, and was left to die there in a ditch along the roadside on the road to Jericho. It's not happenstance that three times Jesus uses this phrase, and when he saw him, and when he saw him, and when he saw him. You see, as they looked at this man in the ditch, each of these men saw something different. Each of these men, yes, they saw the man laying there, but something was different about the third man, the Samaritan. When he saw him, he was moved with compassion. I remember when my girls were very small, uh, I would I would read Bible stories to all four of my daughters, Jessica and Jacinda and Brittany and Bethany, and it was always a fun time in the evening for Dad to get the Bible stories together and read the Bible story, and then we'd have prayer, sing songs before we went to bed. And my my daughter Bethany always loved the story of the Good Samaritan. She loved that story for whatever reason. But for a little tyke, the Good Samaritan was a lot of words to have to put together. So when we would, when I would say, what story would you like me to read? She would say like this. She would say, Daddy, read us the story about the hurting man. <laughs> read the story about the hurting man. And he was a hurting man. You think about it. He was hurting physically. He was hurting financially. He was hurting emotionally. I mean... This man was hurting. I don't know what was different altogether about the Samaritan when he saw the man, except I think he did see him as as a man who was truly hurting. But I think he saw something else. Because remember, this is in the context of answering the question of how do I love my neighbor as myself? So I really think that what's going on here is that when this When the Samaritan sees him there in the ditch, I really believe that he sees him as himself and thinks, if you know, if that were me in that situation, if that were me laying there in that ditch, what kind of compassion and mercy would I want someone to show to me? And when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. Compassion is a very fascinating word. It's, it's, it carries with it the idea of to be moved internally. It's like, a, it's like a gut feeling response to be moved with compassion for something, or someone rather. But when I look at compassion in the Bible, there's something else very fascinating that I discover, and that's this, that compassion in the Scriptures always leads to action. It always leads to involvement. It always leads to beyond empathy or sympathy or just feeling bad for the person. Compassion says, I have to do something. I cannot just sit here and do nothing or say nothing. 
I have to do what I can because my heart is moved with compassion. I think compassion is is really a missing element in a lot of our lives too often, is it not? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I think sometimes I truly do lack the compassion that I need when I look around me and see a a broken world, when I see a, a wounded world, when I see people whose lives are so, so messed up with what sin and Satan has done to them, you know, and it's and if we're not careful, okay, let's just let's just have a come to Jesus moment here, all right? If we're not careful, we look at people around us, and and we see the marks of society, we see the impact of our culture, we see the brokenness, we see the strangeness, we see all of this stuff. And if we're not careful, we become very calloused. If and if and if we're not careful, we can even become very resentful and angry about the way people are living around us. And if we're not careful, we lack the compassion that we need. When he saw him he was moved with compassion. I want to share a story with you that comes from the early days of when I was pastor. I was just a young man in my late 20s, pastoring in Indiana. In the little town where I was pastoring, there was a little empty house. It was a two-tone brown home that uh, oh, the shingles were bad, the shutters kind of were disheveled, the, the paint was peeling. The windows needed to be replaced. Some panes were broken, and the grass was, I mean, some of that grass was way above the height of a person's knee, almost to the waist. And it sat empty for a long, long time. Then one day, as I was driving by, I noticed that a family had moved into that rundown little house. I mean, it was a sad little place. I've often said that, you know, that place was so sad that when it rained, it almost looked like the little house cried. You know, it just it was just that sad. But nonetheless, this family had moved in, a man and his wife and two young children. And they were out there with lawnmowers and other equipment trying to knock the grass down, trying to knock the weeds down. As I slowly drove by that day going about 25 miles an hour through the small town where I live, I remember to my regret looking at that family and and really not being moved with compassion, but sad to say, I, I kind of looked at them and said something like this in my heart and spirit. Isn't it sad the way that some people live today? Look at those children. What kind of chance do they have growing up in a home like that? I mean, you didn't have to be a rocket scientist to look at this family and begin to realize that this is a family that is doesn't know Jesus. This is a family that isn't a Christian family. I hate to admit that, but I felt anything but compassion on my initial seeing them, when I saw them, I wasn't moved with compassion. I moved on a little further down the road, but I wasn't but a few blocks until deep conviction settled on my heart. The Holy Spirit seemed to say to me in that moment, Mark, (laughs) 
Mark, don't you realize that it were it not for my grace in your life, I mean, that could be you and that could be your family. I thought about the fact of the family that I grew up in that was not a Christian family until I was six years of age. And I suddenly had that flashback of remembering what life was like for our home when I was a little boy before my dad and mom found Jesus and before Christ came into their lives. And by the time I got to the church, yeah, by the time I got to the church, I was under deep conviction. I remember laying my head on the steering wheel in the parking lot of the church and just and weeping and repenting of my attitude and my lack of compassion for this family. I prayed a prayer and said, now, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm going to go by and visit that family, and I'm going to let them know that you love them and you care about them. A few days came and went, and finally the day came when I pulled into the driveway of that little home. I got out of the car, and in those days, <laughs> back in those days in my late 20s, I thought every time a pastor went calling, he was supposed to dress up like, you know, with a sport coat and a tie or a suit and tie. I mean, that that was kind of the culture in the day that back in those days. And so there I was, sport coat and tie and dress slacks and dress shoes, and out of the car I came and and I started to the porch, and <laughs> there was their dog. I never forget. He was like, he, you know, he was like a Heinz fifty-seven. I mean, he was just a wannabe. He wanted to be about, you know, fifty-seven different breeds of dogs or whatever. He was just a registered mutt. But boy, was he ever a guard dog. I mean, he was barking and nipping at my heels, and I was trying to keep him away and shake him off. I finally I made it to the porch. Now, I say it was a porch. I walked up on this porch that was built that really wasn't even permanently fastened to to the house. It was just a a wooden structure, and when I stepped on the porch, it literally kind of weaved back and forth with me. There was a hole in the floor of that porch. I mean, a hole big enough for me to fall through, and if anybody knows my size, you know it had to be a pretty good size hole. I walked up to the door of the house. Now, if you can envision this, the door of the house was not a store-bought door. It was a homemade door. Someone had taken wood and had built a door and put some plywood or some kind of boarding over it, and then, of course, put the doorknob and all on. So it was just, wasn't even really a, it was just a makeshift door. And I, and I knocked on that door. I remember knocking on that door. And as I knocked on that door, the door just kind of suddenly, it just kind of swung open. As it swung open, the blue haze of, of cigarette smoke, it hung like a mist in that house. I can still see it as I close my eyes and, and think back. I can still see as the door slightly swings open, there is the kitchen right in front of me, and there is the kitchen counter, and there are some dishes on the counter. And then beyond the counter is you can see into the living room, and there are two children sitting there, and they're watching TV. And and then to my left is a is the man and his wife and a neighbor lady, and they're sitting there, and they're playing a card game, and they're smoking cigarettes, and they're drinking beer. 
there is no linoleum on the floor. It's just a plywood floor, no carpet, no linoleum, no, no ceramic tile. They're sitting at a chrome leg table with four chairs, no two of them that even matched. And they're sitting there. I'll never forget. I'm standing there in the doorway and I'm looking at them and they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and they're looking at me. And for this while, we had this incredible, awkward looking match. (laughs) Finally, the man of the house in a very gruff voice said, who are you? And I said, I'm the preacher from down the road. And I told him where I was at. And boy, the minute I said preacher, it's like their eyes got wide with fright. They're trying to hide their beer. And I I mean, they're suddenly like in this awkward moment. And and at that moment, my heart was moved with compassion as I saw them. I didn't come there that day to cast judgment on them. I wasn't there that day to criticize them for the life they were living. No, I'd come there to let them know, I had to let them know, that I cared about them and that God cared about them too. They offered me a chair. I sat down at the little chair. It wasn't much of a chair. I, it was rather small, and so I sat down very carefully on that frail chair, and now the four of us around the table. Conversation begins, and we're talking small talk and getting names out there and where we're from and all these things. And the children come in. The children are, indu- are introduced to me. And, and so, it, it, you know, the conversation continues for about 15 minutes. And then I noticed this, during this whole conversation that the lady, whose name was Lydia, Lydia, her eyes seemed to be brimming with tears as the conversation went on. And finally, after that initial conversation, she looked at me and she said, you know, I know you don't know this. I know you don't know anything about us. But she said, you know, I was raised here in this town. I said, oh, you were? She said, yeah, I was. She said, in fact, my mother was the organist of the Methodist church. She played the organ in the Methodist church. I said, wow, that's amazing. She said, yeah. She said, and then out here on Highway 9, when I was a little girl, there was a horrible car accident. I survived the accident, but my mother and my little sister were both killed in that car accident. And ever since then, Ever since then, I've never darkened the door of a church. My daddy didn't go to church. He didn't attend. And furthermore, from childhood on, I was very angry at God and vowed I'd never enter the doors of a church again. Now, here she is, probably near 30 years of age. She said, I've been angry at God ever since for taking my mom and taking my little sister. She said, but pastor, when, when, when I moved into this house, I discovered I still was carrying around a box of my mother's things. I went through that box, and she said, as I went through that box, lo and behold, I found my mother's Bible. And every morning, every morning since I have moved here, I have been reading from my mother's Bible. And she said, and then today, today 
a pastor walks in to my home. And I'll never forget what she said next, as now the tears began to flow. She said, Preacher, do you think God's trying to tell me something? (laughs) Now I'm crying, and I look at her, and I said, Oh, yes, Lydia, God's trying to tell you something. He sent me here today to tell you this. He sent me here to tell you that he loves you, And that while you have given up on God, God has never given up on you. And I'm here today to remind you of that. We talked a little while longer, and then we gathered in for prayer, and the children came, and we all joined hands together around the table. I don't know what I said. I don't know what I prayed, but evidently they thought it was a good prayer because when I was done, they all said amen. And now through eyes that are just, I mean, she is just weeping and eyes that are full of tears. She looks at me and she says, Preacher, I'll be there Sunday morning. I'll come Sunday morning. I'll never forget the next Sunday morning rolled around a day or two later, and I remember I was standing there waiting to see if she would come. And sure enough, I saw the old blue car. Slick baloney rind tires, it was smoking and chugging. The old muffler exhaust system was shot on that old blue car. And finally, it pulled into the driveway of the church, and here she came and her two children. I remember when she walked through the doors of the church. She literally, she literally just kind of dropped down a little bit. And I, I didn't wonder what was that all about. I found out later, she told me later, she said, Preacher, I was so scared about to come in the church because of all the awful things about that I'd said about God and the anger and the hostility I had to him all of those years that I literally was scared of what might happen as I walk in the church. She came into the church. I quickly connected her with another lady in the church who had recently come to know Jesus, and, and she sat on the second row that morning to my right on the second row. Long story short, it wasn't but a matter of a few weeks until one Sunday morning, after preaching a very simple gospel message, Lydia came forward and she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. (laughs) I will never forget that. Time has come and gone and the years have gone by. I have no idea where, where she is today, my Our lives have all moved on in different directions. I'm sure she's never forgotten that day. And I haven't either. I've never forgotten how God miraculously worked in my life and in their lives too. But it all begins with what we see when we see people. And when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. I wonder, I wonder as, as we think about the people that God just puts in our pathway on a regular basis, I wonder when we see them, what, what do we really see? Do, again, do we just see the, the things that maybe we dislike or the things that we find disgusting or the things we find repulsive, or are we just look upon them and see them as hopeless basket cases Or do we really see that if they could come to know Jesus, there's hope for every one of them? That's that's what 
Hope Along the Journey is all about. It's a ministry of hope. And as I say again and again at the close of every one of these episodes, if you look to Jesus, you can find hope because Jesus is the hope of the world. And I say that without embarrassment, and I say that with the deepest of conviction because I really don't believe that there is any real, true, lasting hope in life apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, friend, there's you and I, many of us have embraced that hope. We have found that hope. But there is a world out there that desperately needs to find that hope as well. When he saw him, he was moved with compassion. So maybe we need to just ask God to give us new vision. Maybe we need to ask God to wash our eyes with tears in order that we might see those around us who are so desperately in need. Maybe we need God to convict us until we truly repent of the callousness of our lives. I want to know how to love my neighbor as myself. I want to know what it is to show mercy like that good Samaritan showed mercy to the man who was there on the side of the road that day. I want to have eyes that see and a heart that is moved with compassion towards others. And if that's your prayer today, then I trust that you will pray and and seek the Lord and find his help. I'd love to hear back from you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because your feedback to me is extremely important. So if you have a thought or if you have an idea or maybe even you have a story you'd like to share, would you do that? Would you take time to share that with me? Again, I'm going to give you my email address. That's hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Again, hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, so if you look me up on Facebook or Instagram, you'll find there's a Hope Along the Journey page on Facebook and Instagram. So you can reach out multiple ways. Again, go to the website, sign up for the newsletter. I'd love to have you as part of the Hope Along the Journey newsletter family. As we end the month of August, next month is a month in which we endeavor to push for our annual budget for Hope Along the Journey. We're trying this year to raise about $4,200 to cover the ministry expenses, the cost of equipment, the cost that is involved in the personnel that I hire to help me to put this together. There's a There are staff expenses. There are various expenses that we embrace here in putting this ministry together. If you would like to be a part of that, if you would like to help us, then if you want to go to the website, you can donate on the website there. There will be a drop-down that you can go to where you can send us an offering. We would appreciate any offering of any size, $5, $10, $20, $100, whatever you could do, would we would deeply appreciate any contribution you could make to this ministry. 20% of everything that we give goes to missions. 20%, I promised the Lord when we started that 20% we would give to missions. So every dollar you give, 20 cents, is going to go to a mission project somewhere where there's a great need to get the gospel message out. If you would like to 
to just send a check. Feel free to send a check. You can write it to Hope Along the Journey. Just make your check payable to Hope Along the Journey. You can mail it to my mailing address at 3072 West Tower Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio. Again, 3072 West Tower Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45238. God bless you, and thank you for all your prayers and support. And I say one more time as we close today's episode, if you look to Jesus, you can find hope, for Jesus is truly the hope of the world. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.